Welcome to the podcast where we answer the question, that's healthy? This is your host, Hope Brandt. Social media has really done a doozy on our perception of health and wellness, and I want to help set the record straight. Quick fixes and fad diets? Unachievable beauty standards? Extreme fitness challenges that leave you more broken than when you started? I'll pass. Taking ownership of your choices, treating your body and mind with respect, filling your life with things and people that lift you up instead of tear you down. Yeah, that's healthy. And that's exactly what you'll find here. Let's start the show. Hello, I am so excited to have a very special guest on the podcast today. This is Christina Chu. We met in Denver last mm-hmm. fall when we both attended the Beef Influencer Meetup. The um, Meetup. I'm obsessed with that name. <laughs> <laughs> meetup. Get it? Meetup. <laughs> <laughs> and Christina has a bit of a different niche than I do. She is in sports and performance nutrition. She's located in Chicago. And I'm super excited to talk to her today about what kind of makes our bodies tick, how we can use nutrition to enhance and optimize performance. So welcome to the show, Christina. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. Super, super excited to have you here. And something big just happened. Tell me about your most recent accomplishment in certification. <laughs> I was like, what, what did happen? And I was like, oh my God. I was like, am I pregnant? Like, yeah. do you know something? <laughs> Wow. I didn't even know that. Um, Yeah. So I officially passed my sports dietitian exam. So I'm officially a uh, sports dietitian, which is so exciting. I'm, I mean, I'm sure as you remember with the RD process, it was all just like those little paperwork and, you know, logistical things you need to figure out, which can kind of be stressful, but one RD exam, 2000 hours, a past board exam later, I've done it. So <laughs> um, yeah, super excited about that. Well, that's awesome. And I love how dietetics can get so diversified in subject and topic. And totally, it's super important to be able to pursue your passion within this broad scope of the the profession. So totally. That's- super awesome. So excited for you. And that had to just feel like a weight off your shoulders. (laughs) Um, I can't even explain it. Like even after the exam, I'm sure this is like this across the board for anyone who has to take exams, but it's like, they don't tell you the results until after you felt the survey of like, how was your experience at the exam center? I was like, great, 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 great. Like, let me go. (laughs) Five out of five. Okay. Tell me my score. (laughs) You were amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Tell me my score. Exactly. Um, so yeah, I just felt so, so good to get that done with. I was so after that exam, it's just so mentally draining. It's just like you're you're thinking 110%, all these answers, and you're like, ah, oh, what's the best one? And I remember leaving and I was like, that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like so funny. Once it's over, you're like, no, it's not. Like I still have to go study some more. And it just like doesn't hit until later. And you're like, oh my God, wait, I'm done. <laughs> Oh, yeah, it's a whirlwind. A I don't think feeling. many people talk about that. Yeah, the whirlwind. I'm sure, like, you know, CPAs and lawyers and doctors, when they, whenever, you know, they take their exams, it's the same sort of feeling. I'm just like, where am I? Who am yeah. I? <laughs> I know yeah. all of these years culminating in this moment. And then it's like, wow, I'm 
yeah, I don't have to study anymore, <laughs> which I mean, guess you just don't have to study for that. But in any yeah. of these professions, you know, you continue to stay up with the research and totally. and read and do all of those things. But yeah. And, and like you're saying, it's just such a different activity for your brain, which totally. it, it truly is skill based just as much as like having the information in there. Mm-hmm. So no, yeah. it's a feat in any of those things. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thank <Steve>. you. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so how or what made you want to go into performance nutrition? Did you play sports when you were younger or did you have a different experience? Yeah. So growing up, I, I played tennis. Tennis was my sport. Um, I played singles tennis nonetheless. I love um, tennis. Yeah. I mean, I don't play tennis, <laughs> but my husband, David, plays tennis. I was literally, uh, I signed up for lessons and then I found out I was pregnant. I was like, well, <laughs> maybe well, maybe when I pop this baby out, yeah. I'll go back to that. <laughs> it is such a fun sport. And I feel like with the rise of pickleball, like racket-esque oh sports are like really making a comeback. I feel like it's like golf. Like golf was not cool 10 years ago, but mm-hmm. suddenly it's like the the height of bar stool is just like golf content. And you're like, oh my what? gosh, I Where know did this it. Come from? Yeah. Whoever rebranded golf honestly deserves like a bajillion dollars because they have <laughs> turned it for around. You. Yeah. Literally. I don't know how they did. It. And then waste. Okay. I'm sorry. Waste management nonetheless <laughs> also crushed it because I'm like, <laughs> literally you are a dump truck company <laughs> and then you're sponsoring this golf event and all these like 20 to 35 year old dudes are like having the time of their life being like I want to go to waste management right and it gets like rowdy <laughs> that Netflix documentary my husband watched in. it oh I mean it's really good and I mean I'm a sucker for like any sports type documentaries 30 for 30s all mm-hmm. those things it's like yeah I've always cry at the end like this is so inspirational <laughs> um but no oh there's some gosh. great stories that come out of it for sure but i oh good sports, like lends itself to that type of like inspiration and emotion and that yeah. that's one of my favorite things about sports personally totally there's so much like challenge that you face which can drive you to be a better person or it can completely crumble you. Like yeah, there's right. kind of two paths, but yeah. you, you really only see the ones in the media and the news about like the ones who kind of circum those uh, challenges. But anyways, I, yeah, I played tennis growing up. Um, <laughs> I loved it. I, I honestly really do want to get back into it just because I think it was so fun. I'll be honest. I wasn't always like the best player. I'd never wanted to play in college, but that was something that was really important to me is I thought sports was fun. I thought it was challenging. I liked getting better. I liked seeing where, you know, my instructor would be like, you need to improve on this. So then like, you know, you would get frustrated in the moment. I think being also like 14 doesn't help and your hormones are crazy, (laughs) but like just to see that improvement or like, honestly, just to win (laughs) and like, see that growth from the beginning of the season to the end. Like, I just thought all that was really fascinating. And I just like, didn't really like, it could have been like bowling for all I care. Like it was just something that I really enjoyed, um, just getting better at. And I I always knew that I didn't want to play in college. I was actually the first one in my family to play sports in high school. Um, really? Yeah, my two older brothers didn't play sports in high school. So 
it was great. My parents came with their little camcorders, recorded everything. It was like the cutest thing ever. Um, so was it the classic, like, just like, have fun, have fun. Like, cheer on the- <laughs> like, they don't really know how to handle this level of stress. So they're like, Oh my God, this is the most intense thing I've ever experienced. Snacks, always the snacks, but like they were so supportive and I'm, I'm so, so lucky. But yeah, I, I actually knew I wanted to be a dietitian since I was a junior in high school. Um, I thought I wanted to work in like gen pop, you know, I didn't really know really anything about nutrition, but Mm -hmm. I was really lucky to have a good mentor who was like, okay, here's the process of becoming a dietitian. Cause I feel like so many RDs and RD to B's don't know about the internship. Like don't really know that you need to take, you know, certain classes. It's just like, Oh, don't I just study biology? And then I become, right? yeah, you graduate and then you're a dietitian. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was really lucky to, you know, reached out to her and I was like, 16 and you know I'm like okay so wow, she was an RD mm-hmm, exactly she was a local RD and she she helped me a lot with just like okay you need to do this you need to go to like these are the schools that have the program like blah 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 so really grateful mm-hmm. for that and it was funny I actually didn't want to work in sports to begin with I thought I wanted to work corporate wellness more on the presentation outpatient yeah. maybe like I thought working in like a big like Google being a dietitian for Google or something was like the coolest thing and you know my mentor was always really big on you know don't do anything nutrition related until you're a dietitian like that's not legal blah 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 so I was always really good about that but I was like what can I do like I'm excited now I'm in college like just trying yeah. to figure it out and so I became a personal trainer Actually, at the time I was teaching tennis, I was teaching tennis lessons and I uh, kind of transitioned into becoming a personal trainer. I just really wanted that one-on-one client-esque relationship, you know, yeah. like I was like, okay, this will become important to me when I become a dietitian. So let me just figure this all out now. Well, we all know there's a big learning curve when it comes yes. to work. Well, and that's something that I truly don't think we get enough experience doing no. through the process of becoming an RD. So no. if you knew that you wanted to counsel people or have that skill you have to seek it out yourself mm-hmm. and go and get that experience so no right. that's amazing i mean it was definitely a learning curve i uh, you know never really wanted to be a, a trainer like for my life but i was like you know what i'm in college like this is fun this pays really well compared to like a typical you know college work study job like Like, yeah mm -hmm. yeah and I got a lot of benefit you know I had a gym like so many great things I learned a lot from that job but eventually I graduated and I was like okay I need to move on so I felt like that really helped me and and I think in that process I gained exposure to just a wide variety of people and I kind of got I don't think burnt out, but just like a little tired of it. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm kind of repeating myself a lot. It's, it's very general knowledge. And I was like, this isn't as exciting as I thought it was be. And I'm, I'm happy it it gave me that experience. And I'm really happy. I got to work with people and that they were able, able to trust me, but it just got to that point where I was like, Ooh, like I want something else. Like I want, what's the next step. Uh Someone was like, why don't you work in, or like try sports nutrition. And I was like, very naive. I was like, what could athletes possibly need help with? They're so athletic. They have all the resources, like blah, blah, blah. Uh I say that very dryly and sarcastically because now I know that it's, it's all a facade, you know, it's all just Mm -hmm. an image, but there's so many different layers, but I was like, you know what? Like, I'll just try it. And in my grad school, I did my practicum, which was essentially like a uh, semester long. It's like a course, but you basically worked 
under a dietitian. And I did that at Boston University's fueling station, which it had just opened. And then I was like, whoa, there is a whole new world here that I was not exposed to. Like, you know, the athletes on campus versus the non-athletes, you know, and you're like, oh my God, like there is so much need here and learning about like the USOPC athletes plates, listening and like hearing from like the strength coaches, you know, what their goals are with their athletes. And I'm like, wait, nutrition plays a role in this too. And they're like, yes, it does. And I guess it, it, it all came in full circle, but I was like, oh my God, there's an actual outcome related to the nutrition and you can see it for the most part. And you're like, this is amazing. And you start talking to athletes and obviously some of them are, you know, think they're holier art thou within there. Some that are just like the coolest people ever. And I'm like, this is such a great group to work with. And I think once I realized that waking up for a a. 6am start time, I was like looking forward to that the day before. So like before I went to bed, I was like, God, I can't wait to wake up tomorrow. And I was like, okay, like this is, this is where I'm meant to be. You know, if anything can make you look forward to waking up (laughs) at six in the morning, then that's the thing you should do. (laughs) Exactly. And I was like, all right, that's it. So since that was like what sealed it for me, I then just went, went running after that one. Well, and it sounds like a common theme that you love seeing the process of progress. And that's what got you hooked on sports first. Mm -hmm. And then through that, being able to go into sports dietetics and be able to see the progress that athletes can make by tweaking their nutrition. And that is so incredible because, yeah, it's a tangible result that you can see and help them produce. And exactly, I love working with populations like that because they're so inherently motivated already. So, mm-hmm. you know, they most of the time, most time. <laughs> want to listen <laughs> or at least are more prone to listen to what you have to say. <laughs> yeah. And then obviously you're going to get met with resistance with just any group. It's, it's yeah. hard to say that, you know, you're going to, every single client's going to be like the best client in the world. But I think I'm honestly really blessed to have such a high percentage of like, really strong candidates that like, I enjoy going to their session. And we all know that there's somewhere you're like, you know, two minutes before the session, you're like, oh, can I just maybe not show up? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so I mean, you would never do that, but you think about it. And there's just such a few, I mean, it's almost none, you know, and, and it, it happens, but yeah, I think you just, you sort of see that outcome. And I think being very empathetic, like I have a tendency, like whenever they succeed, like I feel it too, you know, it's, it's yeah. kind of selfish in that regards of like you, my mirror, my mirror neurons are like overstimulated and I just like love seeing people succeed, which makes me work harder too. And makes me yeah. improve my counseling skills and my communication skills. So that way I can convince someone to basically take the path that I want them to take, Yeah, <laughs> which well, is the path to healthy nutrition. It's not manipulative, <laughs> I promise, but it's like, you know, there's, I always tell my clients this, there's so many different voices in your world from social media, from your parents, from your friends, to your siblings, to your coaches, to, you know, athletes you look up to. Yeah. And you have one dietitian and that's me. And we only see each other every week or every other week or whatever it may be. So I get it. There's a lot of voices out there and it's very easy to be influenced, but like, how do I make myself the biggest voice in your head? Yes. Yeah. Well, and you're so true. And there's only (laughs) more and more voices that everyone is going to be hearing with 
the continued popularity of so many different social outlets and all of this. So yeah, it's definitely not getting quieter. <laughs> no, which I think is a good challenge because yeah. it forces me to become more concise with my communication, more direct. I think we're often taught and I don't know if you you felt this way in your clinical training, but like you kind of have to give vague answers because the human body is so vague and you're like, I don't know exactly what it is. Like it's not like a line of code and you can identify the problem. So it's like just trial and error where it's like, okay, it could be a myriad of these things and we can go down each path and see what makes the biggest effect and see what makes you feel the best. But yeah, no. But like communicating that, right? uh And like (laughs) in a way that actually gets the buy-in that you need. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah a lot easier if it was just black and white or this works for everyone or you need this and that's easy but yeah saying okay well we're gonna have to like assess and Mm -hmm. see what works and do some practice and skill building that's like uh how long is this gonna take (laughs) (laughs) exactly like no one ever wants to do that but i feel like it's that's just truly where the magic happens and it's so worth it so being able to again communicate that like understanding and expectation all of that i think the sort of surplus of information out there has forced me Force is such an aggressive word, but like really shaped me to become like a better communicator in that way, which I can appreciate. So I'm trying to take the positive out of this situation. I'm aware (laughs) that there's just unlimited information on these tiny little rectangles screens of ours, but I'm trying my best. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and from what I see from your client interactions online and your client reviews, you're doing a fantastic job. So thank you. Okay. Let's kind of go into some applicable advice or recommendations. So when you are working with a client, are you working with their like entire days, you know, weeks worth of nutrition? And I know you have a framework for building plates and healthy nutrition for your clients. So what is your performance plate and what do you recommend that for? Yeah. So the performance plate is an amazing starting point and a tool for really any athlete and or active person. I know a lot of people are like, I don't consider myself an athlete, but then they go and like take these workout classes and you're like, shut up. Like, yes, yeah. you are. It doesn't matter if you're competing formally or if you have a team or whatever, like stop gaslighting yourself and just like, you know, give yourself what you deserve and what you need. Um, yeah, your but- body deserves fuel for performance. Totally. Yes. It doesn't matter just because you have some branded gear on, like it truly doesn't. We're all humans Mm -hmm. um, with the same sort of instincts. So it is what it is. But for this, you know, purpose, we'll just lump it all together as the term athlete. It's a really great starting point. And really it's just combining four key food groups. I say that lightly because food groups make me think of the food pyramid and I have a PTSD from that. (laughs) Um, But, you know, combining your carbohydrates, which is like your grains, your starches with your protein your color, which is fruits and vegetables, and then some kind of healthy fats. So essentially your three macronutrients plus a fruit or vegetable, some kind to get some kind of fiber and extra nutrients in there. And really in the performance plate, it pretty much is focused on protein staying the same. And then almost like a carbohydrate or grains and starches like pendulum, which I know you talked about pendulum before in one of your previous podcasts, Um, but a carbohydrate to 
vegetable slash fruit pendulum as to to reflect your activity. So if you have a higher activity day, we would increase the carbs, lower activity day, we would decrease and then increase the fruits and vegetables because that's a precious time to get those very fiber rich nutrients in that would maybe upset our stomach if we were about to go to training, which a lot of these athletes have two a days or sometimes even three a days. They're very, very active and to consume you know, mostly vegetables would be very challenging for them to meet their energy demands. So it's, it's a pendulum. It's not really stuck like in rules. And then obviously with some sort of fats in there to help you keep you full and to help you absorb those nutrients from those lovely fruits and vegetables. Yes. I love that. And I mean, you're exactly right. I almost nothing in nutrition is this static number. It all depends on so many different factors throughout your lifestyle. Okay, so you kind of touched on the conundrum of wanting to get enough fiber, but then having to be very aware of where that fits in around your tough training sessions. Mm -hmm. So what are your pre-workout priorities for Mm -hmm. your clients? And really, as it applies to like the general population as well, like what should people concentrate on before they do a workout? Yep. So before a training session, a workout class, a run, um, now that the weather's getting a little bit nicer out, at least yeah. here in the Midwest, um, you know, people are going out for their runs and training for their marathons. Really the most important thing to prioritize is your carbohydrates. Ideally, we want a quick acting, easy to digest carbohydrate, because essentially that's going to provide you with the right type of energy source that you're going to use primarily during exercise. Um, when we're at rest, we're using primarily fat as fuel, which makes sense. We have lots of fat stores in our body, almost over 10 times the amount on average compared to carbohydrate stores. So when we're less active, it just makes sense for our body to use fat as energy. When we are increasing that intensity or activity, our body uses carbohydrates because fats are a little slow (laughs) and then carbohydrates are very fast. So while we are running or lifting or playing our sport, we need to have that kind of fast energy. Um, And you can see. uh, Yeah. Well, and sorry, let me, is there like a threshold that you get to? And then it's like, oh, we're using carbohydrates now. Or so textbook <laughs> kind of yes and no, we're always going to use a mix. So like a mixture of fat, carbohydrates right. in, in dire situations, protein, which we don't really want to use, but it right. can happen. Well, and that's a key component of making sure you're eating enough carbohydrates to mm-hmm. make sure that your body doesn't go into your breaking down protein, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. And and it's it's sparing your protein sources, which are found in muscle, yeah. from sparing that from being used as an energy source. So it's like sort of like tires, right? You can have a nice plump tire. You can also have no tire and just drag that little metal part against the ground. Like that's what burning protein as a fuel source would be like. Like you can technically Mm. still drive. You can technically (laughs) still work out, but it is not efficient at all. You're not going to be expecting to run any, you know, Formula One races or NASCAR races with a car like that. Um, And usually for a lot of the athletes that I work with, they are trying to be the best of the best. They are trying to, you know, break into the professional world. They are trying to compete at the national level, whatever it may be. So yeah. 
sorry, so like, that just won't fly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, exactly. they're essential. And that's, I don't know if anyone listening has ever heard the term protein sparing, but mm-hmm. that's exactly what it means that carbohydrates are protein sparing. So you have to have enough of them to fuel the activity that you're doing. Exactly. Um, okay. So carbohydrates is the big thing to look at before mm-hmm. you exercise. How long before you exercise and what type of quantity? Yeah. So carbohydrates are definitely the big daddy and the timing of it really does depend on personal preference. So in schedule, in schedule too. Sometimes, you know, ideally I like to say start anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour prior as like the sort of this acute or immediate sort of intervention. Obviously we should be eating prior. Like it's not like, you know, if you have a 3 PM workout, the snack isn't going to be the first meal of your day. But if we're looking at kind of the short term, um, changes that you would do, that's different than like a non-workout day. That's what I'm talking about. I would say start anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour for some people, less than 30 minutes is just going to be like, they feel like the food is still sitting in there for too long. Any longer than that. Sometimes it's like, I need to eat again. You know, it's too much time. So I find that 30 minutes to an hour tends to be a pretty good reference, but it really is individualized based on your preferences. So for example, I'll have a client who prefers like toast and peanut butter 30 minutes prior. Like that is what they found to be like their perfect routine. And then I have someone else who like cannot do that and would prefer to actually only do a carb about 45 minutes. So no sort of fat or protein, only a carb. And it takes them longer to digest it. And we don't know that without that trial and error, which we talked about before as to, we need to try this. And just because it doesn't work, doesn't mean you need to give up. Like it just doesn't work for you. So let's find something else. So it's hard to say, but that's sort of like a generalized timeframe that works. And I would say, you know, if I was talking to someone about it, like try it for a couple days, if it Mm -hmm. works great, if it doesn't figure something else out, you know, and, and adjust from there. So what are signs that what you did works? Like, how do you feel differently? So I think it's better to maybe start with the signs that don't work Okay, because it's a (laughs) lot easier to feel those and they're they're more negative signs, but like, I don't know. I find that it's just easier to find when things go wrong. This sounds so negative, but (laughs) versus like when things, basically when things go right, you should feel totally fine, which is like the absence of symptoms. Okay. It's harder to notice an absence of symptoms versus. Well, yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, people are however many times more likely to leave a negative review yeah. And a positive review. Like the negative sticks yeah, out. Like- I guess. <laughs> We're both very positive people, I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but typically when things aren't going your way, you might notice like that low energy. You might notice like you feel bloated or indigested, which is all signs of maybe the composition or the timing of it wasn't right. Even things like those side stitches, obviously if you're nauseous, if you're throwing up, if you're having like diarrhea during your session, which can happen as well too. And then just sort of like mentally, if you, I mean, we, we've all been hangry before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, noticing that during your sessions is a good, you know, reminder to be like, okay, something needs to change. Or let's say you forgot breakfast that day. You're like, okay, I think that was it. So yeah. like, those are some, some tools that you can use during your session to try and figure out like, okay, this was like the perfect routine for me. Um, And kind of what I mentioned before, if we feel none of that, and if we feel like that good, solid, like streamlined energy, if we, you know, don't notice any sort of Well, yeah, just almost like you are not thinking about it at all. And you're just closer to being in the flow state of whatever you're doing. 
Exactly. Which makes nutrition kind of tough because our yeah. wins are essentially, you notice nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you're like, that's the best thing ever. But like, it's just so hard to identify that. Um, yeah. so anytime that someone is like, actually, I, I was able to power through my workout or I hit a PR or, you know, my water breaks weren't as long, or I didn't feel as gassed or a big thing that I've been using is how do you feel after your workouts? Because mm-hmm. most athletes can power through, but if you need to immediately lie down, take a nap, If you feel like you're making poor food choices afterwards, if you're not sleeping well, your muscles sore, like that could all be signs of there could be something we can do with your nutrition. So like, like not fueling enough beforehand. Exactly. And it's every athlete will be like, I feel fine. Like I feel fine during my workout, like, or I was able to tough through it. And like, there's a lot of pride in that kind of suffering. And I'm like, okay, well, how are you afterwards? Like, do you want to suffer 24 hours a day or just one? (laughs) Or two, yeah. however long your workout is. So that I find has been like a helpful tool to sort of identify, you know, how they're doing. Yes. So let's kind of just shift right into talking about post-workout nutrition. But I yeah. love how what you do beforehand is just as important in feeling good after your workout as then what you do after your workout. It all works together. Um, yeah. So what are the priorities post-workout do you have to eat protein like five (laughs) seconds after you're done or like what what is that window (laughs) yeah so there's the research out there I feel like the research in athletics is growing but it's not as big as a research in sort of gen pop and like health and diseases so you'll kind of get two angles as to one you need to eat immediately after a workout and then the second is like no you don't like just as long as you do eat something maybe yeah. an hour after well, and it's you know when we're talking about elite athletes who are looking for that 1% difference mm-hmm. then smaller things probably do add up but if we're talking totally. about general population where it's like okay actually just like eating enough protein over the day is going to be the most important factor here, then, you know, it's like, okay, well then having a larger window is really not going to make or break you in any meaningful capacity. (laughs) Yeah. And I think a lot of people tend to think in absolutes as to it's either 30 minutes or no muscles grown at all. Yeah. <laughs> I think what people forget is that muscle repair happens 24 hours in a day and especially happens when you sleep. And so again, highlighting sleep. the importance of sleep. Oh, we love sleep. Yes. <laughs> I woke up this morning and I was like, I got the hours I need, but like, man, that dream was so good. I kind of want to go back. <laughs> My take on it is if you can refuel afterwards, go for it. Don't just ignore that perfect opportunity. But if you are a, I don't know, let's say, well, if you're driving around, yeah, like exactly, exactly. Don't stress yourself out to that extreme level because you're not getting anything to eat or drink. Like Mm -hmm. if you need to drive 45 minutes to get home, but then you're going to have a meal right afterwards, don't freak out about it. It's okay. Like it'll be all right. So again, it's case dependent, but if possible, ideally we would have something to to eat afterwards. The caveat is if you eat something right afterwards, it's like a shake and that ruins your appetite for your next meal. Mm. Then I say, absolutely not. I think your meal is more important to prioritize. Okay. Uh, When in doubt, I, my philosophy is always to try and get those whole foods in real foods. Um, Whole foods makes me think of the brand, but just, Yeah. (laughs) yeah, just, Food in uh, general, lowercase letter whole foods. Yeah. Exactly. 
I love it when my iMessage tries and change it. And I'm like, no, honey. Mine always does that. It's like, okay, I'm not referring to the store <laughs> all the time. Like, it's just a noun. It's just a noun. Foods, comma, whole. Like, yeah. I just, I don't know how to do it. I wonder if there's like a collab going on in the Apple, Amazon space that we just don't know about. Ooh, know. Yes. Yeah, psychologically, no. Um, Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, foods, comma, whole. I really do prioritize that just because they're, you know, more digestible, more absorbable, just a higher quality nutrient profile than consuming a shake or um, a supplement, which tends to be a nutrient in isolation. But obviously time tends to be of most people's essence and, you know, the limiting factor. But to answer your question, the the most important priority is three things. It's going to be your carbohydrates, your protein, and your fluids. So Carbohydrates and protein should ideally be in a three to one ratio. So three carbohydrates to one protein, which alarms a lot of people. And they're (laughs) like, are you sure? And I'm like, absolutely. Um, Because you think of three to no protein to carb, which I think protein gets a lot of love, which I love. You know, Mm -hmm. it's great that we're prioritizing that and just overall media, but sometimes it just gets a little bit too much love. (laughs) and. You know, it's like, oh, well, I'll just have three scoops of my protein powder in a shake and chug it. Mm-hmm. You're like, eh, like, I don't know if that's the, the best solution. So essentially why we need to have our carbohydrates and our protein in together is the carbohydrates will essentially, this is very basic terminology, but essentially it triggers the insulin response, which opens up your cells to allow blood sugar to come in. Mm-hmm. After training, hopefully we would have used some sort of carbohydrate stores. <laughs> Otherwise, that was not really a good training session, but all that is gone. So we need to put it back in, right? It's like a yeah. storage container. You got to put it back in. So triggers insulin, opens up the muscles, carbohydrate come in, protein just kind of like sneaks in there. It just takes that opportunity. So then that protein enters your muscles to allow that repair process to happen without that insulin response. You just have this protein floating around in your blood. It'll eventually get absorbed, but the research has shown that the co-ingestion or consuming carb and protein together post-workout can increase that muscle protein synthesis or essentially muscle building process. Yeah. Which is what we're going for. So I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah. Carbohydrates are uh like the invited guest and protein is plus one when yes. we're coming after. Okay. <laughs> yes. It's like Dwight at dinner party. Like <laughs> Pam and Jim were like invited and then like Dwight and, and his uh, babysitter just came along. <laughs> <laughs> and I am the TV. <laughs> yeah. I love that analogy. Okay. <laughs> love it. So carbohydrates post-workout. Yes very important. Mm-hmm. And that I feel like is also the beginning of like your pre-workout for your next workout. Totally. <laughs> totally. You're right. You don't work out in isolation. Like it's not like you work out and then your day is over or your training is over. You got to likely do it again the next day or the following mm-hmm. day or something like that. So absolutely. That'll affect you. It's not, you know, it's not an on or off switch as to when you feel like an athlete and when you don't, it's more of like a dimmer or like a pendulum as we mentioned before. So yeah, carbohydrates, protein, and then fluids. Like obviously we might've sweated during that process and it's just important to replace those fluids back into your body. So 
that's a very long way of saying those three, those three points, but there's just so much like intricacy that goes on behind it. It deserves that long-winded office. Well, yeah, <laughs> for sure. well, and yeah. like you were saying, nothing is done in isolation and nothing can be just in a one note because people are so diverse in the activity mm-hmm. that they're doing. Speaking of that, let's talk about the difference that activity makes in the, I guess, fueling priorities or if, if it does make a difference. So mm-hmm. I think my audience is probably mostly Gin Pop who's doing some sort of either cardio-based HIT training or weight resistance training. Yeah. Does it look different to fuel for like a HIT workout versus a strength training workout? Um. In the general standpoint, honestly, no. Mm-hmm. Just getting some sort of pre-workout in, trying post-workout as quickly as possible. That's really the main priorities. It's when you get to like the endurance, ultra endurance, that f- fueling does become part of the training program because yeah. they're running for or cycling for hours and hours they need to eat during their session. So that's when like nutrition would be different compared to like a team sport athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say if you're going to a hit class versus doing cardio or um, doing your own strength training, like there honestly isn't that much different, just given the like sort of output of those all kind of tend to be around the same. They're just stimulating cardiovascular training versus strength training. So like mm-hmm. not really, honestly. Okay. So yeah, still top priorities beforehand, quick acting carbohydrates. What are some examples? Mm-hmm. I know you gave toast, peanut butter. What was, yeah. so what are some fruit. other sources? Yeah. Fruit tends to be a good one. I love like a half a banana, yeah. like close to my workout. I find that works well for a lot of my clients. Yeah. Is there anything else that you find is a, just a popular option? Applesauce tends to be huge, especially with the oh, younger groups. Sense. Yes. Yeah, they love the squeeze pouches. Mm-hmm. Well, I the- love that it's also like whole comma foods source yeah. of nutrition and then also very easily digested. It's already totally sauced. It's like pre-digested. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like pre-digested apples. Like what is yeah. not to love? I mean, a lot of them love the flavor. The texture is is pretty easy to just take down versus like eating a whole apple takes a lot of work. You know what I mean though, right? Like just to crunch and for sure. Well, no, it would take longer. And then also, yeah, your body has to do a lot more work (laughs) to break down the fiber and all the stuff that that comes with that. Yeah. Exactly. Waffles tend to work really well. Uh, like fig bars, breakfast bars, um, a lot of those high carb bars tend to to do well. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people label those as like, oh, I don't have those in the house, but it's like, well. If you're about to work out and lunch was three hours ago, like it might actually time be in a place. Yeah. yeah, time in a place. Exactly. Um, so those are just some common like examples, but there's so many more out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Talking about fluids after mm-hmm. working out. <laughs> when I think of you, I always think of uh, pickles. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so, uh, Thanks. <laughs> what? Why do you love pickles so much and why do you like recommend them for your athletes? <laughs> oh my gosh. I just like 
love pickled in general, just as a food, not, not even as a dietitian, yeah. as Christina, as a human, <laughs> always love pickles. Um, for a, one of the Christmases growing up, my, I got a like Costco sized Vlasic, like dill pickle. It was literally like the size of my tiny body <laughs> at like a very young age. And I was like, this is the best Christmas present ever. It oh was my god! Because you know, when you're a kid and everything is just heightened and you're like, oh my God, I yeah. just got a job. <laughs> this could feed me for like the whole year. And it definitely didn't, you know, but like as a kid, you're like, this is a lifetime supply of pickles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mind blowing. <laughs> yeah, but I've always loved them and I thought that they were delicious. And, and you know, I always had them in the fridge, but I never really thought about them as as being, you know, functional or used in any way. I was like they're just crunchy and amazing. Yeah. So what's not to love? And then as I, you know, gained interest in sports nutrition specifically cuz from the health perspective, you view pick like there's not really much in the MNT-esque health thing as like, oh, like eat pickles, right? Because they're high mm-hmm. in sodium. So like hypertension, you want to reduce it and blah, 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 blah. Right. So I was like, mm, I'm still going to eat them, but like, meh. And then once I learned about hydration and electrolytes, I was like, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the perfect application they're for pickles. Perfect. <laughs> they're perfect. They're so perfect. They're high in sodium. They're so easy to eat. I mean, that's pretty much it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and okay, it's so- like, like sometimes for like, po- I feel like a lot of sports products are sweet and mm-hmm. I'm a savory gal. Like yeah. I like salty, crunchy, sour, like that is my sort of jam. Like I am not a sweet person really. Um, so I was like, God, like all these protein bars are sweet. All these products are sweet. And I was just like, so over it, honestly. Uh-huh. And so I just made the connections in my head. I'm like, oh my God, like pickles are high in sodium. This would be an amazing example for electrolytes. Like, let's say if someone doesn't want to drink their electrolytes, they'd rather eat it. I'm like, oh my God, like this is, I've always heard, you know, eat your electrolytes, but I'm like, okay, whatever. But I guess the pickles really sold it for me as yeah. to like, oh my God, I can do this with the foods I love. And I think it's just humbling as a now dietitian to be like, yes, you can like, duh. So yeah, well, that's, that's really how that came about. Yes. Well, and I've seen you talk and everyone, especially when we're working out and in, in, in any type of sports, I mean, someone gets cramp and immediately someone says, give this guy a banana. A banana. Okay. Yeah. And so what are we talking about that actually makes a difference there versus like potassium and sodium and yeah like so balance when we think about hydration we also want to think about not just replenishing our fluids but also our sweat so we sweat out to release heat from our body when we're you know exercising and that we need to replenish that sweat back in and if you've ever tasted your sweat before it tastes salty yeah. So salt is one of the main, or sodium is one of the main electrolytes that we sweat out. So it's one of the ones that we need to replace back. Potassium is also an electrolyte that we sweat out. But if you are eating some kind of fruit or vegetable, you know, throughout the day, you're most than likely replenishing that potassium, mm-hmm. right? Calcium is another one, magnesium chloride. Like those are all also electrolytes that we sweat out. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's to a much smaller degree than salt. 
And I feel like a lot of athletes also tear on the lines of, I make all my food from home, like from scratch. I don't add any salt to my food. I don't mm-hmm. eat any, you know, processed, processed foods as to air quotes, chips or yeah. salty food. And you're like, okay, like, I wonder if you are excreting this sweat and salt out of your body and we're not replenishing it. Mm-hmm. And that's when we can experience a lot of the same similar symptoms as dehydration. So that kind of like mental fogginess, you're peeing a lot in that instance, which I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think of as healthy, but it can actually not be in the long run. It's the cramping can also happen when we're over, over hydrated, um, under electro under electrolyted, I say in big quotes, cause that's not a word, but yeah. it's like <laughs> hyponatremia, right. Is how we learn about it. Um, yeah. and that's essentially low blood salts because we are either over hydrated too much fluids or too little electrolytes. Our body's pretty good at self-regulation. So it's not to the point where you need to be rushed to the hospital as soon as you don't eat salt. Like it doesn't work like that. But thinking about it in the long term and that habit building, like it's just good to incorporate, especially if you are even normal to a heavy sweater. Yeah. Yes. Well, and I'm sure different times of year, different sports, different people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And sweat rate. Yeah. All influences. Yeah. Because not everyone, and especially if you're not working out really hard and sweating needs to be thinking about, oh, I need to increase my salt. The majority of people probably need to be looking at decreasing their intake, especially if we're on the end of eating more highly processed foods and things like that. But Mm -hmm. no, I think that's just a fascinating caveat to uh, recognize that, Yeah. yeah, especially if you are on the end where, yeah, super like homemade holly where we don't add salt and we're very 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 conscious of that and you know you're working out in your garage in the summertime doing some super strenuous workout like totally could be a consideration to have absolutely yeah and it's it's there's so many different layers to hydration but i think i don't want to i don't always want to be like okay everyone needs to have pickles because oh (laughs) <laughs> well, I think and I'll that's not true them. for literally any t- nutrition thing. Or exactly. Ever. If you have hypertension, like, don't follow my advice. Right. Like, if you've got other, you know, medical concerns going on, don't take everything you see on the internet at face value. Yeah. But well, I, mean, it I applies think it's a specific population. You are a totally. sports performance dietitian. We're not specifically yeah. talking to people who have hypertension. Yeah. I'm not a Joe Smith dietitian. Like, yes. yeah, that requires a full assessment, but I think it's just, I just saw so much of, you know, I need to make sure I have my potassium to stay hydrated. Well, why? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like that's what people say to drink coconut water. Like, you know, uh, eat, eat the banana after you cramp. And I'm like, I want to change that. Like let's eat a pickle. Yeah. <laughs> Crunch. Um, let's, you'll probably see this, but like pickle juice shots, taking those on the sidelines. Like that's really big in the football world. <laughs> oh, so- I've, I've, <laughs> I was a football trainer when I was in high school, <laughs> had no desire to be anything medical or dietetics or anything at that time. But we had this one dude on the football team who was like the guy. I think he actually did go on to walk on at LSU. Wow. Which is a, a 
big deal. Um, but all I can remember is him like screaming on the sky- sidelines for his pickle juice. <laughs> We're like, oh my god, there he goes again. Like, <laughs> he was on to something. Pickle juice. <laughs> yeah, he was on to something. I yeah. swear. <laughs> and honestly, they taste amazing. So you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame him. It's actually really funny. I had a friend text me. She was like, you'd be so proud of me. She goes, I had a bunch of pickles before I went to bed after a night of drinking. She goes, I feel perfectly fine now. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, that's going okay. in my back pocket for <laughs> the next, you know, a Not year right now. now when I can drink. <laughs> <laughs> Not right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're not condoning drinking while pregnant. <laughs> Definitely um, hard no. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like. Oh, okay. Like I, it, you know what I mean? I, I, I never like to close my doors with nutrition. I think we can absolutely make any food fit and serve us a purpose. Yeah. And originally pickles for me were just like, they good, they're crunchy, they're salty. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, no, like they're amazing. So yeah. I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. And if you ask me, dill is a hundred and one thousand percent better than bread and butter. And <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> I I don't discriminate. I like both. Don't discriminate. So. I do. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So as I was just kind of stalking your website oh, and social perfect. media, I found, uh, I think this was in one of your pinned posts where you're kind of talking okay. about like foundations and you yep. said having other aspects of your life besides nutrition nourish you as like a foundational principle of a a healthy approach to your nutrition. Mm -hmm. What does that mean to you? And how can people kind of take that? And like, we know nutrition is important and it can Mm -hmm. have big impacts on your performance and your daily life and your overall health. But how can we look at our lives as a way to nourish us and not just food? Yeah. One reason. Yeah. There's a a big principle of mine is, you know, we'll take this, you know, when working with a client, we'll take this time now to focus on your nutrition. So we'll be thinking about it a lot more, but I don't want that to take all that brain space for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Like for example, someone comes to me and they're like, I'm tracking, I'm weighing, I'm doing all these things, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, do you want to do that when you're 80 years old? And they're like, no. I'm like, why don't we start now to like transition you away from that? Nothing wrong with tracking, but it, when you hear someone talk about it and you just hear the stress or the anxiety or the perfectionist come out and it's hindering other parts of their life. That's when I'm like, okay, this is definitely not serving you a purpose. Like, and a lot of that is stemmed from fear or control or whatever. And you're just like, okay, I think I need to be the person to tell you, like, it's okay to not do that. (laughs) Um, It's okay. Like life will go on. You'll be all right. And I know it sounds kind of morbid, but I always think not always, but I do think about like, when you pass away and people are talking about you at your funeral, they're not going to be like, okay, they were consuming 2,400 calories with this macro split. Like they will be talking about, you know, your social interactions and, you know, how you made them feel and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And life is not, it's not your, what I eat in a day video, just circling in your (laughs) funeral. Like it's not that, you know, and, and it's, it's so funny as a dietitian, you're so Swiss, like, concentrated in nutrition. Yeah. And you're also teaching people not to be so concentrated in it. Like you kind of yes. have to, cause it's your job. And there are some, there are definitely boundaries there too, but it's like, you should not be thinking about this as much as I'm thinking about it. Cause it's my job, but like, yes. it's, 
you should enjoy your life. And I think that's what health is all about is that sort of, you know, it's not just your physical health, but it's your social health, your mental health, your Mm -hmm. uh, spiritual health too, whatever matters the most to you and finding that kind of balance. Cause a lot of people, you'll see it in their Instagram bio. It'll list the diet that they're on. And you're like, why? Like, this is the least interesting thing about you. Like, I truly don't, I don't care what you're, you know, what you are. And I think there's a lot of identity associated with that, which can get into a whole nother, you know, rabbit hole. Oh my gosh. No, I just, we, we, I say we, it was just me. Um, But no, we were (laughs) talking about the ideology of associating yourself with being a specific type of eater. So like being Mm -hmm. keto, being Mm -hmm. paleo, carnivore, whatever it is. And when it becomes this part of you that you focus on, then yeah, it's getting a lot of time and attention and brain space Mm -hmm. that then almost can't be taken apart from you. Like when you make it a part of who you are and you're exactly right. Your diet is and or you know, how, what your body percentage is or any of those things, that's the least important or interesting thing about you. Exactly. That's, it's not like, you know, when you watch a football game and they say their name and their weight, like that's not how you will be introduced at your funeral. Like (laughs) it is, and it's just maybe me being super philosophical, but I'm just like, there's so much more to life than that. And I also don't want like, you know, our job is to do no harm. And I feel like part of that, like that kind of over obsession is definitely associated with disordered eating, eating disorders, um, this new, I don't think it's an official eating disorder, but it's like eating disorder, like, I guess kind of is like orthorexia. So like, like being too healthy and obsessing over that. And that's just so normalized now, which is super sad, but like, I have literally seen it where um, I'll see a post about X, Y, and Z eating healthy. And then I'll go and talk to the person and they're just miserable, honestly, yeah. just so miserable. And it makes me sad. And I just, I, I know myself, I was like, I can't do that to someone else. You know, that's not my job as a dietitian. It's like going to the doctor to get a checkup and they break your arm. You're like, I was not asking for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, do no harm. Like that is truly the forefront of our profession. And yeah, I, I just think that finding something outside of nutrition is crucial. So like hobbies, right. And I'm definitely yes. guilty of it too, but like going to shows, going to the movie theater, I don't know, hanging out with your friends, like having mm-hmm. these social events that maybe do involve food, but you don't need to like overthink about it. Or if you do have very specific goals, you need to reach, think about one or two things, but like, don't bring your food scale to the Thanksgiving yes. dinner, you yes. know? And so I just think that it's so important to find things about you that are more exciting than like the food that you're putting in your mouth. Um, yes. Cause that is just such a dangerous, slippery slope to go down. And I have worked with clients who have been at the bottom of that slope and they were like, Oh yeah, that trainer I worked with who gave me a meal plan actually kind of messed me up. And I was like, yes, yep. <laughs> they did. Yes. Um, and that's unfortunate. So that's, that's really what I, I feel like you need to, to nourish in other ways besides food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, Love that so much. So, Christina, it has been the best chat. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your expertise. So, how can people keep in touch? How can we contact you and and see what you're up to? 
Yeah. So, uh, um, I think probably one of the best ways to reach out is through my Instagram, um, at Christina Y two. Um, and then I also have a website. You can always just check that out. Um, it's www.christinay2.com. So the same, you know, handle just.com. And yeah. Are you able to take clients you do all online and from anywhere or is it in state? Yeah, I do online stuff primarily just because not a lot of people are in Chicago, but um, I do have some in-person clients as well. But absolutely everything is set up to be fully functional online. Fantastic. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you again so much for your time and for being here. And I hope that, yeah, people can apply this information and know that you need carbohydrates before you work out and after you work out. (laughs) (laughs) If anything, just remember that carbs before carbs after you can figure the rest out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for coming on the show. But wait, (laughs) before you go, I'd love it if you'd share this episode with a friend who needs it. And to make sure we stay connected, find me on social media at hopewell underscore health, or for more information about my nutrition coaching services, check out my website, hopewellhealth.online. And always remember, you are smart, capable, and talented. You have what it takes. I'm just here to educate and encourage you along the way. Catch you next time.